the podcast very few have asked for. The place where you'll get the truth if you can stay awake long enough. Yes, you've got it. It's SAG Sex. Thanks, Eric. Very kind of him to drive every week down to uh, my beautiful abode here at Ocean Grove, on the west coast of beautiful Victoria, the gateway to the Great Ocean Road. So thanks for uh, doing that, of course. Welcome, folks. Snag says podcast four. Here we go again. And uh, I've been getting quite a bit of feedback uh, in regard to the podcast, some good, some bad. Um. I've probably decided to discard most of it, um, even though a lot of it is good advice, because I figure if I take everybody's advice, I'll probably end up not doing the podcast I want to. And the podcast I want to do is perhaps even more important to the podcast you maybe want to listen to. Arrogant, conceited, and probably audience-limiting, but that's the way it's going to be, and uh, people have been telling me ways to maximise market and SEO and all these type of buzzwords that uh, get around these days to make uh, some real money out of this uh, podcast, which is you know highly unlikely. Let's be honest, highly unlikely, and I'm not that interested. So I'm going to keep going, burrowing on the way I'm going. I have promised a guest every week. There's no guest today. Um, reason being, uh, I couldn't get one. Now, uh, that's probably not bright. You should come up with some sort of excuse, but there isn't one. I asked a few people and very busy schedules. Everyone's busy. Um, it might be a euphemism for go and get knotted. Why would I do that? I don't know. Um, uh, but I do live... 100 odd k's out of Melbourne and um, it does make it a little difficult and I do insist that people come to my place because that's where I've got the stuff, the equipment to do the job properly. So I do have guests lined up for later on, further podcasts, but uh, we haven't got one today and big deal, you can listen to me if you want to or you can just turn it off. I mean, how good is it? You can just turn me off. Whenever you like. And please, if I uh, do annoy you in any way, which is highly likely again, just turn me off. You know, just, well, why would I listen to that? And just turn it off and move on. Um, you know, grease the bearings and uh, mow the lawn or something. Perhaps a bit of carnal pleasure with the uh, the good lady or, or good bloke. Um, you know, clean something, oil change in the car. Some washing, underpants, who knows. But you can do a lot of things other than listen to my crap. But if you're still here, thanks. Uh, now, what are we talking about this week? Oh, yes, I did notice it. I was watching the uh, the telly there the other day. And I, oh, that's, I bought a big telly from Kogan. Kogan, as the kids say whenever I say Kogan. Uh, cheap, 500 bucks. Oh no, I lie, six hundred five ninety nine, for a 55 centimetre, it's not smart apparently, um, I'm told my television isn't smart, but I got Telstra TV anyway, so yeah, 600 bucks, so I thought, oh, 
you know, we've been looking at a little television for a long time, so I thought, oh, I'll lash out and get that. So I was sitting there taking the majesty of that wonderful big screen and moving my head around to get the whole picture. Uh, and I noticed uh, young Ellen DeGeneres and uh, young Barack Obama there on the telly. And uh, apparently she's been awarded a medal for being a lesbian. Um, if they're going to give medals for every lesbian, there's going to be a lot of uh, medals. Because uh, there's a lot of lesbians. In fact, some of my best friends. Uh, yes, anyway, apparently um, she has been awarded the medal by Barack. And he choked up a bit, which I thought was kind of nice. Well, there's two ways to look at that whole shebang. Um, one, the cynic would say, well, why? You know, you're on the telly. Um, you happen to eat at the Y and you should get a, a present for it. Well, that would be cynical. Uh, it would be exceptionally difficult to have come out the way she did. And uh, at a time, 20 years ago, you know, we weren't as small L liberal in our thinking at all in regard to homosexuality. And I can't imagine how difficult it would be to come out um, and suffer the slings and arrows of redneck America. So uh, I do like little... Um, Little uh, Ellen and her little dance as she goes up the steps and greets the the uh, ever excited throng. So good on you, Ellen, and good on you, Barack. Um, it did come to mind while I watched the proceedings, the middle hanging proceedings, that there's a stark contrast between uh, Barack and. Uh, and the incoming fellow, isn't there? One wonders how he may have presented the the medal to young Alan. He possibly would have done it one-handed, requiring the other one for uh, certain grabbing uh, mechanisms. Although that would be barking up the wrong tree, wouldn't it? I don't think he would. Uh, that would go too well. But anyway, uh, good on you, Alan. Um, as I say, uh, in all seriousness, it is a good thing. The fact that we've got a president who is talking openly about welcoming uh, same-sex marriage and the natural acceptance that most of us, are, you know, with half a brain in our head, have had for a long time, or always, really. Um, I do know that when I was a young bloke at Williamstown Technical College, that uh, wonderful repository of knowledge. I think it's turned out many plumbers and uh, a couple of carpenters. But uh, had you been a gay person there, although it was uh, mono-sexed, what's, what's, what do you call that? Uh, you're not co-educational. Well, certainly it wasn't educational. It wasn't co and it wasn't educational. But it was a school nonetheless. Um, and it was in Williamstown in the 70s, or I went in the 70s, and Williamstown at that time was not the Williamstown it is now, let me tell you. It was a cultural melting pot, but it was a run the gamut of going home at night and not getting the shit punched out of you, and you could have bought four houses on the Strand for about 80 bucks. So I wish uh, wish we had it, but 
I digress. Uh, the point being, if you were a gay guy or woman, but or girl, I should say, uh, you would have been met with a terrible daily dose of sincere teasing to start with and um, lots of knuckle. No doubt about it. Uh, it would have been, and particularly if you were flamboyant, uh, God forbid, spoke a little like this, that would kill you. There's no chance they'd take anything like that. So um, I can't remember any overtly gay people then. There must have been, but you know, as I say, it would have been ridiculously brave to even suggest it. So I think back now to that and I look at the kids of today and I think, well, you know, we have come a long way. We really have come a long way, but it's a long way to go, long way to go. I look forward to the day we don't give medals to anybody based around their bravery in regard to sexuality when we don't actually have to reward it. We don't even have to acknowledge it. Um, that's when we will have made it. But this does signify... Uh, a much wider acceptance and uh, good on you Barack we'll miss you mate we really will miss you with this fucking idiot uh, going in there so you've done a good job I know you listen he does listen Barack I get a couple of letters every now and then and uh, you know little Michelle she she drops in and out with a scone while he's to, while he's got the earphones on listening to Snag Says yes Ellen good on you Ellen uh, I don't particularly watch you. Too busy, you know, working. Or Dr. Phil, one of the two. Dr. F what are you thinking? I do like Dr. Phil. He's made a lot out of not much. I was watching him right on the board there the other day and he, he uses mixed capitals and lowercase. Now, that has always been, to me, a signifier to a ill-breeding. You know, I'm not comfortable why have you got a cap R next to a lowercase I? I don't know what that is, Dr. Phil. That's tantamount to people that put the fork on the right. I'm not comfortable with that. I've made a song and dance about that before. Although now I look at it, it's happening left, right and centre. I better rethink because probably half a dozen of you, perhaps even eight, do it and might say, well, I'm not going to listen to that snag says anymore. He puts shit on the way I eat my dinner. That sound effect right there brings me to a new section excited yes motorcycle corner motorcycle corner yes I do uh, my other life I am the editor of a national motorcycle magazine and uh, I'm very happy to do that that's why you know I put bread and butter on the table and occasionally jam uh, I do enjoy it. It's a great job, and uh, many of my friends are motorcyclists. So I thought we'd just uh, every now and then just chuck in a bit of motorbike, uh, and I'll try and keep it a little mainstream. So you uh, dickheads that don't ride um, motorbikes can get something out of it. Or you know, it might be time for you to go and make a cup of tea, or uh, probably not a very strong one. Nice weak herbal, and those that ride can readjust their ample uh, scrotum and breast uh, and listen in. But, uh, yeah, look, what's happened is uh, I wanted to share it with you because I probably need a bit of advice. Uh, eldest, 
Spencer, better known as Seek, out of Seek and Destroy, has decided he wants to ride a motorcycle. Now, I can hardly criticise that. Uh, I've been riding motorcycles for about 2,000 years, and uh, they have provided me with some of the greatest moments of my life and, uh, and great friends. So, I can hardly advise against it. But I'm torn between uh, being very, very impressed that he wants to do something that I know will bring such pleasure to his life. But I'm still a dad, you know. And uh, I'm alive. I'm, after riding motorcycles for 40-odd years now, uh, by the skin of my teeth. There have been moments where I have seen the other side and there is nothing there. Uh, and I know some of that's been my, my fault. Probably, you know, they say if you have a motorcycle accident, it's always your fault. And, and look, I, I subscribe to that. You'll always be part of it. You'll always have a big say in, in a crash happening and you'll always have a part to play. Uh, that said, there are lunatics out there that uh, don't make it easy every day. So I'm torn between admiration and pride in having a new motorcyclist in the fold and being able to ride with him and absolute terror and uh, fear that uh, something could happen to one of my golden boys. But what do you do? So he's gone off and got his uh, motorcycle, saved up the money, paid cash, did everything right. I tried to keep my big bib out of it. And he bought a sensible bike, Suzuki GS500. It's a great little starter bike. He's ridden a lot of motocross, so he knows how to ride. He rides pretty well. But uh, as we all know, um, being 20, you know, you can't put an old head on young shoulders. So cross our fingers. Uh, I'm going to do it. The only thing I have insisted on is on further training. Um to train up as hard as he can and I'll do a bit of training with him myself but he's now a motorcyclist so I've got another reason to fucking not be able to sleep at night worrying about my boys uh, welcome Spencer and uh, keep uh, keep listening out for Motorcycle Corner where we touch on things motorcycle speaking of which this weekend is the Bike Expo now uh, I work for, as I say, Universal Magazines as the editor of Australian Road Rider, and what we do at the Bike Expo is a dirty big stand. And yes, it's one of those trade shows, but it's big, and it's very important that we're there and we've got a stand. And uh, I stand there. Um, that's probably what the stand thing is. Uh, and people come and talk to me, which is nice because you don't uh, often have interaction with your reader other than Facebook and our website. Um, so I'm happy for that. But three days a long time. And if you've ever done a trade show, you'll know you start out day one, not bad. You have strong coffee and you talk to the major players to whom you want to speak. And it just drops away. And you come the end of first day, standing on your feet all day, you think, oh, that went well. And I spoke to a lot of people and got around the place and pressed the flesh. You get up on the Saturday and off your toddle again and you have an extra shot in your coffee this time because, by gee, it's a, it's a long time standing, isn't it, here? So you stand there again and you chat to a few people and then 
you'll get a person that wants to talk to you for a very lengthy period of time about shit that you wouldn't speak about to anybody at any time other than at a trade show. Now, what you've also got to remember when you're working in a magazine or in any type of media is that just because you've spoken to 180 people doesn't mean that that person shouldn't get respect and the time that they deserve. So I always keep that in mind that respect the reader is a very, very strong tenet if you're going to be an editor of any bloody thing. You should be thankful that you've got readers. And we have got readers, a shitload of them. So I try and be nice. And many people will tell you that I'm not very very nice. Um, apparently I'm not very nice. And uh, I know that. I know at times I'm really not very nice. Um, so come Sunday after that trade show, the poor last person that speaks to you, you just cursory nod and just can't wait for them to get out of your... Uh, your uh, area and personal space. That's the other thing, personal space. We all love a bit of personal space, don't we? I mean, I'm a big personal space fan. Um, I think being Australian's got a bit to do with that. Uh, I think you... Uh, we're used to room. Um, and um, being a solitary kind of prick that I am, I, I really struggle with anyone in my space, you know. And let me tell you, at a trade show, when you're in a little stand, it's, oh, I don't know, six by three whatever it is the only thing missing is the bars and the anal rape um that's not there but well you never know i mean expo people have a few drinks and get a bit frisky so uh yes it's very much like jail uh and i don't love it but i recognize the importance of it so having said that please come and come by and say hello won't you can't wait to see you all and uh if you could line up you using the Dewey Decimal System. I should be happy that someone wants to even talk to me, and I actually am happy for that. I'm very happy that they give enough of a shit to want to have a chat. And As I say, most of them are very good, but every now and then you'll get the bloke. Well, my favourite is the bloke who, well, let's face it, he hasn't been laid for a long time. A long time. It's uh, Horizontal folk dancing hasn't been high on his list. And he wants to tell you about a 1937 Motor Guzzi Aroni and how they had five-eighths uh, nuts on the head stem. And, I, and you said three-quarters. And really, that was the 36 model you're talking about. Of course, the 36 model, they sold a lot of them in Spain. Of course, Spain. Spain's an interesting place. You know that one? The digression back to... You end up talking about undies or uh, Williamstown Football Club. Um, and all you want to do is, you know, you looked to the uh, the rigging of the uh, conference hall and you think, can I get a rope around that? Because Albert here is fucking going to kill me. So, Albert, if you're coming, looking forward to seeing you. Anyway, it is a good thing, the Bike Expo. I, it... Uh, Motorcycle business is well and truly alive in Australia at the moment, no matter how much uh, the government tries to kill it. Uh, it is The government is absolutely anti-motorcycle. Uh, they, well, I had a Minister for Transport years ago when I was at a 
bloody piss up uh, Victorian government thing, tell me when he'd had one or two too many daiquiris on your money mind that if he had his way, he'd get rid of every single one of us, but he wouldn't go on the record with that because I tried to get him to go on the record with that. He said that we're, you know, we're no good for the state, we're no good for anything. Disregarding the fact that uh, motorcycles are welcomed uh, just about everywhere else on the planet, particularly in Europe, and, we, you know, go to Southeast Asia, and have a look how the motorcycles revolutionised transport there. But look, I, I don't want to go on and on about that shit. They are against us. Um, we live on the fringes a little bit. We are a little bit different. Uh, and we celebrate that difference. Uh, what we don't want to have happen is that we get safety credit out of existence, which is where we're going. You know, this cotton wool society where... Everyone's too frightened to fucking do anything. You'll be wearing a helmet to buy fruit shortly, fair dinkum. And I've had a guts full of it. Um, I can continue to ride my motorcycle, whether people like it or not. And I recognise the dangers and I recognise the absolute necessity for it to uh, happen in order for me to stay anything like sane. And the cost-benefit analysis of that, if you don't get it, you never will. So... Motorcycles are staying, and I'm staying with them, and fuck uh, governments who want to stop that. Further to that, we've got the VLAD laws in Queensland, which means that people who are members of motorcycle clubs are not allowed to wear their colours, which is absolutely abominable to, to me and it should be to you because and I'll tell you why now I'm not going to sit here and say that motorcyclists outlaw motorcyclists are angels because they're not forgive the pun they're not but they're they're also not inherently evil they're all sorts I've been a member of football clubs that uh, you some of the characters there you wouldn't want to be around Yet you can wear your footy jumper wherever you want. Uh, yes, there's been some trouble. Yes, they probably haven't served themselves perfectly by um, having some public blues. Doesn't look good. We all know that. But a government telling you what you can wear and with whom you can associate is wrong. That's all there is about that. That's wrong. You can delve further into who, what, where and when, but the basic tenet of those laws, and they're going to be everywhere very shortly, is that uh, the government doesn't like what you wear, so you cannot associate. You know that people can't wear their colours in uh, where the alcohol's being served in Queensland. Uh, I'll probably be corrected by friends about where else that is in Australia. I believe it is. I know it's Queensland, but it's happening other places. So they can't wear their patch uh, while having a beer with their mates. That is absolutely uh, draconian, and and I'm anti any anyone telling anybody what they can wear and with whom they can associate. So 
if you think that that only applies to uh, bikies, you're wrong. That, if you have a look at the legislation, it doesn't even talk about bikies. It talks about association. Uh, and they can apply that to just about anything. So don't think, just because you're a member of the Trugo Club up there at Footscray, that they might not decide it. They don't like those Trugo people. And you can't go and have a beer with your mates in your Trugo uniform. Um, that's wrong. That is wrong, and it's got to change. And I don't know why we accept it. I think it's got something to do with, oh, it's, it's big bad bikies, and they're no good. Um, they need to be pulled into line anyway. That's the Joe Public uh, response because that is how the government has sold it. Anyway, that's all very serious stuff. Very, very serious stuff. And uh, I didn't want to make it uh, entirely serious, but at the same time, I just get on here and whatever comes to my mind, I uh, I talk about. And... Uh, that that has been on my plate. That I'm not not comfortable with any of that, and uh, neither should you be. Actually, I might make that growl of the week. Yeah. That's growl of the week as well as motorcycle corner that grew from uh, Spencey wanting to be a motorcyclist. So, what else have we got happening uh, recently? I've uh, I've been at the gym lately. Now, I wanted to talk to you about the gym. There's a there's a lady at the gym who gets on her phone and uh, talks extensively whilst working out. And I don't like it. Like, I, I really don't like it. Uh, to the point where my workout session becomes fraught with both anger and frustration. And, and that's not why I go to the gym. You know, I go to the gym to, to get rid of those things. And uh, anyway, she chats away there. Now, I'm not talking, g'day, how you going? Yes, having a workout. We get down to things purchased at the chemist the other day. We did the chemist. Uh, Uncle Jim's coming over for Christmas. And of course, he hasn't been over for a long time because Ethel doesn't like coming for Christmas, you know how she doesn't travel well, this stuff, it goes on and on and on, so anyway, we're doing it the other night, I'm sitting in, getting shit here and shit here, to the point of absolute, what's the word, there isn't a word, that's how bad it was, it's like the Eskimos, no word for it, uh, so I figured, well, I'm, I'm not going to cop this, so I've lifted up uh, on one of the weight machines and just dropped it. I think it was that loud, it scared me. And I had headphones on. I can hear it through headphones. And uh, caused a bit of a ruckus, not happy. Uh, I got the dirty look, I got the uh, well, the full shebang of unhappiness. Of course, didn't stop the phone call. Kept going. The chit-chat went on. But uh, scared the living shit case out of her. And I did enjoy it. I've, I've felt better since. There's another bloke there who worries me a bit. If he comes in with a sports bag, I'm getting out. Very, very... Uh, concentrates hard, you know? Concentrates. It all matters a lot. It's all very serious. And his technique's horrible. 
So uh, that annoys me. So I, just, I try to go to the gym and just, you know, are you, are you like this? Like where you, you just want to do your thing and and just get on with life and be normal. You see all those happy people. You go in the street. You go in the street tomorrow, you'll see happy people. Happily chatting, being nice to each other. You know, the, the day and they talk about the weather and how the roses are doing well. And they mean it. And I look at them and I think, God, you're happy, aren't you? And I... Feel like sten gunning them all, but that's probably not the right thing. But I just want to be one of those people, and it just doesn't kind of work. I just can't be one of those people. Um, yeah, small talk and stuff like that. I, how do you do small talk? How? It's clumsy and uncomfortable. No one likes it, but I guess it's part of the fabric of what you know. What keeps everything ticking and. The fact we can all live together with just a fence dividing us without uh, setting bombs and, uh, you know, arson, that sort of thing, poisoning. I've thought about them all. Um, how do we do that? And, and, and isn't it lucky that not everyone's like you and me? Or me. I'm not probably a bit presumptuous of me to think you're a prick as well, but there's a rough chance if you've gone this far in. Uh, yes, anyway, uh, very excited, my great friend Grant Roth, better known as Spanner Man, better known as Groff, uh, best bloke in the world, worst bloke in the world, I spoke about him the other day with Paul Newbold, he's coming back from Vietnam, I'm very excited because I've had months without my best mate, walking around in ever-diminishing circles, I've alerted Sepults, who have put on uh, an extra crew, an extra crew for about eight weekends uh, producing to make sure that there's just enough to keep Grant and myself in reasonable Shiraz, although, you know, I'm a white I mean, white wine bloke. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, lighten the loafers, yeah, grow a set. Enjoy, enjoy. I like white wine because uh, it tastes all right. I like champagne. There's another thing. I'd like, I drink a lot of champagne. I used to. I don't drink a lot of much, much anymore. But... Uh, Jeez, you reckon I didn't take it? Take a fair whack for drinking champagne? What's wrong with what's that all about? Like, uh, I drink champagne, so for some reason I'm less of a man, and it uh, it annoys me a bit because I, if I go and order it at the pub or yeah you know, for dinner, I I do it in hushed terms, you know, I do it hushed tones. I do it quietly because I think oh, even the waiter's a bit off me. Oh, Christ, have a look at this, buddy. Eh? Get a bit. Yeah, champagne. And Grant or, Grant or one of my other friends will order a Shiraz. Oh, yes, mate, no problem. I'll get you a Shiraz. And your pansy mate, I'll get him a uh, a yellow glen. So uh, white wine, how do we get onto white wine? Oh, that's right, because Grant's coming back. And I'm very excited about that. He'll come and stay with me for a couple of days, I hope. Uh, we'll, uh, he will definitely be uh, a guest uh, on the podcast. I don't want to talk it up too much, but he's a, a fantastic after-dinner speaker. And uh, I'm hoping that that equates to podcast ability. And one thing I am noticing that some people shit themselves when, as soon as they see a, a uh, microphone. Interesting. People that you would normally expect to 
take to it like ducks to water, clam up uh, immediately. They see the microphone and all of a sudden they become this uh, antithesis of their normal behaviour. So I don't know, you like that? I know that cameras tend to uh, throw people out a bit. But uh, it seems to me that microphones have exactly the same effect. Just got to pretend there's no microphone. I had young Paulie Newbold on there the other day. And, you know, Paul can talk shit for Australia. Uh, but, oh, by gee, there was a bit of a plum in the voice and there was a bit of ABC. He, he dropped it when he forgot what was going on. But interestingly, some people can't... Uh, maybe they haven't got big heads and they don't want people to listen to them. You know what? You know what is the motivation for a podcaster? You know, I'm, you must be heard. Is it based totally in ego? Should I be looking hard at my character? I mean, it's pretty really. It's weird, really, isn't it? I say a whole bunch of shit, and it is. I mean, let's be honest. Most of it is. Uh, you. You're pegging out the washing, think, oh, I'll, you know, I'll put the buds in and uh, have a listen to that rubbish. Um, I don't see you listen to it. I don't know when you have. I don't know whether you have. Um, you can't argue with me, although you can. There are ways via the Facebook page and stuff like that. But what's that motivation? You know, I'm sitting in a room right now. I'm totally alone. Me and a microphone and I'm talking. As though you're here and you're not. I don't know where you are. I don't know who you are. So let's not get too familiar. All right? Just know your place. Yeah, it's an odd phenomenon. Why do people need, feel the need? Yeah, I think it must be ego. Now, summer's on, uh, on its way. And uh, I'm very pleased about that because... Ocean Grove becomes a hub, hub of humanity over Christmas. That means there'll be heaps of people here. And it's fantastic for people watching. I just plug myself into the uh, mall down there, the, uh, the cut-off area down there in uh, the terrace. And... Uh, Look, and uh, whilst I have tried to improve in regard to looking at females, and I have got better at it, I have got a lot better at it, and I don't do it as much anymore, but by crikey, it's, uh, your resolve is stretched a little bit in the summertime. Let me tell you, there's a few keenies, and uh, as we all know, I'm strutting the... Uh, you know, the boardwalk alone these days. And, uh, you know, footloose and fancy free. So I am very much looking forward to the summer of the rolling waves and the uh, outdoor drinking and the uh, general bonhomie of a seaside hamlet during the festive season. So if you're down this way, keep going because I don't want to know you. Very rude. Please drop by. Happy to see you. Happy to have a little chinwag, uh, perhaps share a white wine and discuss Ellen DeGeneres and her medal. 
what else have I got? Not much. Uh, I've sort of just gone, I don't know what I've talked about today. Do you? Can you remember any of it? I don't remember any of it. Mr. Prozac kicking in. That's the other thing. I, I take Prozac because uh, I have uh, depressive issues if I don't. Um, Mr. Prozac, he's my friend. Uh, he is really my friend. Um, anyone that says to you that uh, uh, antidepressants are not good, uh, I don't agree with that. They've made my life a hell of a lot more comfortable. Now that my dopamine levels are all right, I don't rant, don't get angry, I don't throw anything, I can concentrate, and I'm reasonable company. So I'm a big fan of that. So uh, if you're having any sort of issues, that's it, issues, I mean mental issues. Men, men are finally talking about mental issues. When I was a young bloke, there were guys that had come back from the war. The war had finished 15 years when I was born. And I remember men of a certain age, let's say probably they would have been in their 50s now. I'm just researching it and running it in my head as we speak. Angry. Oh, angry. Um, there was a lot of anger and quiet. So when a man spoke, if you were visiting a friend, it was usually loud or not at all. You certainly weren't allowed to address them. And I reckon a lot of that must have been crazy war stuff. Men were very, very one-dimensional. They did their thing. They went and worked hard. They provided. But emotionally unavailable. Totally emotionally unavailable. And uh, people of my generation will tell you that. You know, my, my own experience with my father is you know, totally emotionally unavailable. Well, unavailable, totally, really. But, you know, the relationship you would have loved to have had, um, my generation didn't have it. And I think that's why we overdo parenting a little bit ourselves. Our generation has overdone it. We've gone too far the other way, which is stock standard for social change. The pendulum always swings too far out before it finds its centre. And, uh, yeah, so we, we've, I think we're better parents than, than our parents were. I like to think so. Having said that, I think we over-parent. Uh, people are just, you know, paying $100,000 a year to put Tarquin and Felicity through school. I don't get that. Uh, you know, going broke and, and not available to the kids because they're making enough money to put them through a fancy school. Good luck to you for going through a fancy school because fancy schools are good. I'm all for it. If the student wants to be there and is studious, they're perfect. But going broke and having a heart attack at 60 because of it, to put them through school is stupid, in my view. Uh, if it's hurting the family fabric, it's uh, no good. But we, you know, we've got to do it, don't we? They're all important. 
Uh, my view is kids need time. Forget quality time. Quality time is one of the worst sayings of all time. Just time. Just rooting around with you. You know? You can weed in the garden. If they know you're there, that's my view. What it's worth. That's come from a bloke never any money and probably if I had it, I would have put him through. Well, I did have a go at private school with Gus, but he wasn't interested. And it was at a time when his, you know, um, his mother had passed away and um, he wasn't, wasn't ready for all that. So I guess that's unrepresentative. But, you know, settle down, everybody. You know, talk on Scunny's knee, big fizz. You know, he'll be all right. Bung a bit of dead on him, foot him in the ring and get him out there. Pump up a footy. You know, a bit of actual reality. I'm a fan of that. I remember saying that to one of my kids. You know, he's a footy, that's actual reality. See that? Football. Kick it. Uh, you know, buying them shit and making them the total centre of your universe. What sort of kid do you reckon going to turn out? Self-centred little turd. And there's a lot of them. A lot of them. So there you go, parenting advice. Anything else you need to know? Black and white relations in South Africa next week will do. Look, I reckon that's just about enough. Uh, I've had enough. Got to go to bed, get up early and go to the uh, bike show. So thanks for listening. Um, Yeah, talk to you next week. Snag says. Bye.